Hello, film lovers, and welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. We are living in very strange times right now, but don't worry because we have got the remedy for that. Every day, we're going to be recommending a film to you that you can watch from the comfort of your own home, available on various streaming services. So let's get to it. Sit down, relax, and whap out your isolation snacks because here is the Films I Love Most podcast, Isolation Station. film lovers and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Films I Love Most podcast. So the podcast is going to be a little bit different today. It's going to be me and Hannah, who is a regular contributor to the Films I Love Most podcast, discussing the film Annihilation, starring Natalie Portman, which is available on Netflix to watch now. So it's going to be a discussion at length about the themes and content of the film. So just to let you know, if you haven't seen it already, I would go and watch it first and then come back to the discussion because the, it is spoiler filled, unfortunately. We do apologise for that, but you can't talk about this film without spoiling it because it's just a brilliant, brilliant film. So I'm going to pass you over now to past me and Hannah as we discuss the film Annihilation. Hope you enjoy. Just a little disclaimer here, guys. But because of the sound, the way that we've recorded this interview, the sound quality might vary. Hello, welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. And thanks to amazing technological advances, I'm on the phone to Hannah. Hello. Hi, Hannah. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? <laughs> you sound very well. <laughs> <laughs> so well. Oh, bless. So we decided to do a little film club, didn't we? We did. And I said that we can choose a film that neither of us has seen. And, and I chose a film initially, but you'd already seen it. Yeah. What was it you chose first? Is it called Under the Shadow? Oh, yes. The um, film set in Tur- um, Tehran, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have seen that. So that was the first choice. Mm-hmm. And I have wanted to um, watch Annihilation for quite some time, but I actually was going to read the books first. I actually didn't realise until just this moment that it was a book initially. Is it a book series? It's a trilogy. Oh, okay. Called, and I've got the first one here, the Southern Reach Trilogy. Oh, so you have the book? Yes, but I haven't watched, um, haven't watched it. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Jeff Vandermeer is the author. I um, would definitely like to read it um, after seeing the film. Yeah, definitely. The first book is called Annihilation, of what we've watched. The second book is called Authority. And the third book is called Acceptance. Hmm. AAA. <laughs> Interesting. So, 
Um, let's start off by talking about um, the look of Annihilation, because that's, I think, very important. So what did you think of the whole aesthetic of the film? I thought it was very beautiful, and I really loved the colour scheme. We've, I mean, we've already talked about it a little bit because we were messaging back and forth. Um, we, we watched the film exactly at the same time, but not in the same place. Uh, <laughs> I was going, oh my God, and then a few minutes later you were like, oh my God. <laughs> I think you might have been slightly behind, but I was. I think I was. I was quick on the um, on the play button. I do apologise. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, the sort of bubblegum quality to the colour, uh, the sort of like baby blues and pinks, very sort of pastel, and the sort of the design of a lot of the plants that are so heavily featured in the narrative. It's very, it's like space age floral. It's kind of like yeah. um, so really cool. Let's see a little bit of the plot. So a biologist signs up for a dangerous secret exhibition exhibition expedition <laughs> into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply now the zone is called the shimmer mm-hmm. which made me just want to shake my shoulders every time i heard it shimmer. <laughs> um but yeah that's the uh what you're talking about with the colors and the plants it all exists within the shimmer right yes yeah, so it's kind of like a wall of um like a sort of film like you know when you have loads of when you're going to blow bubble a blow bubble and it's like in the um i don't know what it's called when you stick the stick in the boat the blowy bubble stuff yeah and you look at it and it shines in the sun and it has like a film of multicolored rays that was kind of like what the the exterior of this shimmer looked like Mm. yeah and and i thought that you know it affects the animals as well and i thought that the animal designs were really good yeah, all of the plant and the animal design was amazing. Uh, I especially liked, there's a moment uh, in the film, so basically this, inside the shimmer, this maybe parasite or organism, some kind of fungus or something is affecting everything within it, so all the plant life, all the animal life, and all the humans that go in there to try and figure out what is happening. And they come across um, an empty swimming pool in the old military base, and in the the bottom of the swimming pool is what was a person but has now become like a fungal growth and the way it was designed is that like the body is sort of like shot apart so different parts of it were stretched out and there was colors coming out of it and um different textures that was like although gruesome very visually appealing i use the word to you primordial because it's almost like there was this thing within me that was that was making me very like have a sort of primordial reaction to it like the flowers coming out of the body mm. it's quite primal do you think yeah it like definitely made my skin crawl like it, there's something um it definitely made me react way especially the end the sort of climax of the film when we delve deep into finding out what actually this is I think, um, I think we're going to have a whole, like, 10 minutes on the climax. <laughs> that especially made me feel, like, really uncomfortable. Like, um, like a little bit really... pit of the stomach, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've only ever had that feeling once before, and that was um, a, a documentary of, um, called um, 
um, humans never invite their ancestors for for lunch or something and it was was about um our evolution from primordial soup up to you know fish and then land animals it had that sort of thing where it was almost like these like abominations these things that the that the virus or whatever was turning us into was Mm. like a throwback in evolution it was almost we're like we're regressing evolution rather than progressing it was almost like that it's funny you mentioned that because this i've had a similar reaction to another another film before and it was um ai in the end of that film when the little robot boy goes down to the bottom of the ocean in his submarine contraption and he just waits watching a statue for like hundreds and hundreds of years um, because he has, you know, he's not a human, he can just wait forever. And then when he comes back up out of the water, it's like everything is gone and changed. And he, it, it's kind of like something about the sort of timelessness and sort of, I don't know, senselessness and lack of meaning. Um, somehow reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I get what you mean. It's like that change, but it's almost like a change in like, in our biology but in with the ai it's a change in environment and circumstance which is quite shocking mm. you know it's it's no different than if we were you know slipped into a coma and woke up in 50 years time you know what i mean mm. it's that um culture shock almost but with this annihilation it dwells more on the bio- biological effects of this virus slash bacteria or whatever it is that yeah. is changing us into, you know, vegetable matter, really. But also it's kind of asking the question, what are we and who are we and what is the point of us? That's, I think that's something else that's kind of makes it kind of frightening because in the flashbacks about her husband, he's like asking, like, who am I? Am I you? If I'm not me, then what What does it all mean? And And then when she actually confronts this, sort of humanoid form of the the virus or the alien or whatever it is it's copying and mimicking her and it's almost like it becomes her and then it's like if that if the thing is her then is she still herself it's like what yeah. does it mean to there is a deeper meaning behind that like who are you what makes you you mm. and you know as you progress in life, as you go on, as you gain experience and as things start to change, are the, is the person who started the journey the person that's going to come out of the journey? Well, it, it, it's no different really to our circumstances now, is it really? If you think about it, uh, am I or you going to be the person that comes out of this lockdown, the person that went in? You know? Yeah, we're, we're sort of frozen in a place and a time, but at the same time, things are still changing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's almost like that question, isn't it? Like, because the, that's actually a line in the film, isn't it? You know, the person that's going to come out of this is not the person that started it. And I thought yeah. that was quite telling. Yeah. Um, this is very deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think the film is very, like like you said, it raises a lot of questions. Um, and also, like, there's various points in the film where the character is kind of discussing they're sort of pontificating upon life and um two of the main characters are Lena played by Natalie Portman and um 
Ventress? Ventress is the name of her character. Jason Me. Yes, they're talking about um, self-destruction and why Lena's husband would have wanted to go on this mission that was like almost a suicide mission. And Ventress is saying, well, aren't we all self-destructive? Isn't that in our biology? And um, and then also later on, another character who's the, I think she's the physicist, Josie, is sort of saying that they want to fight this thing and they want to confront it, but she sort of goes with it. She's not against the the overtaking of this, um, so this life. In that atmosphere, isn't she? Because um, each of the of the of the um, women that go on this like task, go on this exhibition expedition. I can't say the word. <laughs> um, expedition have some sort of loss or some sort of issue with themselves. You know, so they're taking a lot of baggage into this environment. Mm. And like you said, with Josie's character, she's almost wallowing in the the nature of this virus, this creature, this bacteria. She's she's loving the change because I think the change is what she's been looking for. Yeah, because she is like struggling to feel alive, so she welcomes something t- taking over her because it's like she doesn't feel alive in herself. So she welcomes something living growing inside of her. Well, there's a line in the film, isn't there, when they're talking about one of the characters who's self-harming. Is that Josie? Was that Josie. Yeah, who was self-harming. And they said, um, Natalie Pullman's character said, oh, why did she want to die? And the, char- and the girl she's talking to says, well, no, it's not that she wanted to die. It's that she wanted to feel alive. Yeah. I think this whole environment for Josie is making her feel alive. And the change, you know, it's almost like she's been looking for it. Which is mm. really an interesting like character um trait to have in somebody who's you know obviously at that point in the film not going to get out of this alive we actually know that from the very beginning but um just one more thing i want to say about the whole um process of how people are sort of absorbed into the shimmer another thing that i felt very unnerving is especially when you see the figures that are completely made up of flowers and plants mm. humanoid shapes but they're standing in the field and they're made up of flowers and plants it's look like a like a bush that's been shaped to look like a person but obviously they were a person at one point do you think that also hits a primordial primordial note with us because it's almost going back to the earth going back to the ground you know when we die we go back to the earth. That's what we're, what a lot of people are taught and believe that when you're, you know, laid and buried, you, you become one with the earth again. I think that's got a quite an unnerving part to play in why that probably makes us feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's almost like, it's kind of like a, a reminder of death as well. It's like the, the figures of the bodies in Pompeii where they've just been sort of... Um, mm frozen in the time of when they died it's the same kind of like feel to it it's like a a a, a gravestone to their body but it's like a living representation of the thing that is now dead it's really odd yeah yeah it's it's, it's human-like but alien at the same time which is very unnerving mm. um, let's talk about the cast yeah, a really good cast. Let's focus on um, the three main characters, really. Let's focus on Natalie Portman's character, Lena, Jennifer Jason Lee, Dr. Ventress. 
and we'll also go with um, Oscar Isaac as Kane. So, what do you think? Well, I um, I always find Natalie Portman to be good and enjoyable and very watchable, but I I, I feel like I always see her in a similar kind of role. I don't know. Um, she was good in this role, but I she has a sort of vulnerability to her that. Um, kind of worked well in this but she also has the strength in this character because she's like a superwoman ex-army soldier and she is also a scientist so she's like very um intelligent and in control especially in comparison to some of the other characters she's like the one um who keeps her head and she she knows what she's after like she is searching for the goal of trying to find a way of helping her husband she can't explain what's happened to him. Although I think that a lot of her her journey comes from guilt. Yeah, well, we later find out that she has a reason to be guilty. Yes. Dan! <laughs> We're not going to talk about Dan. <laughs> Boo, Dan! I don't, don't think Dan would have liked to have read our text messages. <laughs> we were not complimentative about Dan at all. But if you look at Natalie Portman's body of work, I mean... Um, early on in the run of Isolation Station, I suggested Vox Lux as mm. to watch, which is the um, the Sia musical in which she stars in with Jude Law, which is, you know, a huge character piece for her and really difficult, I bet, for her to play, but she definitely shows off a different side to her. But if you think about like the films that like, she started off, obviously she's well known for Leon. Mm. And she went on to do films like Closer, Viva Vendetta, and of course Black Swan, which yep. is also batshit crazy. <laughs> Not unlike Annihilation, there's a lot of questions and um, you know character flaws to be explored in that film as well. So what, I think her body of work is quite strong. And of course now she's going into the Marvel universe playing female four. So. Yeah, now you mention it, she did have a very, very career, but I think I haven't watched a lot of it, which is why I'm probably being a bit, um, you know, blanketing her with one brush. <laughs> Can't yeah, there are a lot of roles that she plays. Yeah. It's sort of quite like one level. There's not much, you know, you're, you know you're watching Natalie Portman film because you're watching Natalie Portman. Do you know what I mean? You, you never really get absorbed into the character. And there's mm. a few times when I've done that, mostly in her Star Wars work. Well, I'm just thinking, oh, this Natalie Portman wearing strange makeup and speaking <laughs> a very weird accent. But I think, I think films like, uh, for example, like *Vis Vendetta*, as you know, is a, is a, one of my favourites. So go and watch that mm. every November the fifth. And I love her in that film. And you know, to, to shave your head like she does in that film takes dedication. Uh, in this, I think, I think she's good, but I don't, I, 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 I can't see past her. Acting for probably about the first forty-five minutes of the film, <laughs> and it's only when they start to talk about the deeper meanings of the film that I start to really understand her character a little bit, and therefore mm. don't see Natalie Portman. Um, do you agree with that? Am I just being a bitch? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I see your, what you're saying, but I, I, to be honest, I wasn't really distracted by her acting. I didn't feel like. I couldn't get into it because she was being too false or anything like that. I, you know, I was kind of intrigued straight away and I wasn't distracted by 
anything that she was doing that seemed superficial. So, um, yeah, I think her performance uh, it helps, you know, it didn't um, get in the way of the story, let's say. I didn't feel like she excelled but like in the role, but I didn't wasn't distracted by her performance. It didn't it wasn't a detriment to the to the story. Sure. And Jennifer Jason Lee, obviously we completely forgot her name. Yes. Yeah. We saw her, we just both went, Oh, it's it's hateful late lady. It's yeah. It's Tarantino's friend. And I know her um lately as um as a character from the Twin Peaks, the return, which mm. she starred in with Tim Roth actually. She played Tim Roth's um a buddy in that film, in that series. So I thought her character was really interesting because you just didn't know where she was going to go. Mm. You didn't know whether she had an interior motive. And then all the way through, you're thinking, you know, she knows more than she's letting on. She's leading these girls into trouble. But then it turns out, actually, she's just as deluded as everybody else. Yeah, I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee, I, I love her. I think she's an amazing actress. And this role, like, probably one of the more meteor characters, like with the more depth to it out of the, the, the four women that or is it five women, sorry, that go into the um the shimmer. And like you say, you're second guessing her and you you feel that she is up to no good. And then and I suppose in the end we don't really find out exactly what her goal was, except that she just needed to face whatever it was yeah. that was in there. She just felt that she had to face it. There was some ambiguous meaning about her going in and she was the one that was like because at one point they were going to turn back and she was like well we're three days to going back or two mm. days to the lighthouse because that's mm. for the lighthouse and um there was nothing that was going to stop her you didn't quite understand her motivation for getting there but um as we know she didn't last long when she got there <laughs> Well, I, I'm not convinced that we actually find out her, what actually happens to her, because, I mean, maybe we'll get into some spoilers, but... Um, I mean, I think we've spoiled the whole thing already. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can spoil I think we've spoiled but it. But in the, okay, so in the climax of the film... Okay, are we going to the climax now? Should we get into it? Uh, should we just quickly talk about Oscar Isaac, quickly? Before oh, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, you had your three characters you want to talk about. Go ahead. Okay, so Oscar Isaac, um, your reaction to seeing him was, he's in everything. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot of films over that sort of three-year period, like yeah, yeah. from um, Ex Machina and then onwards. I feel like everything I watched, like, oh, it's that guy from uh, Ex Machina. And of course, he's, he's but Poe in the Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, his character is so mysterious in this because, you know, like you said when he first appeared, oh, is he a clone? And mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, I don't think I'm going to like it if that's the way this film is going. Um, I mean, you weren't far off. No, I was not. But it was much more an interesting ride than that. Mm. Um, there was a moment that, that you got a little bit confused about, though, and we'll, and we'll use this to lead into the climax. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? What you I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the accent? Right, yeah. So <laughs> uh, we don't actually spend a, see a lot of time, spend a lot of time with Oscar Isaac in the film. We see him in a few flashbacks where him and Lena are you know, happy and time's gone by. And aggressive and, nosebleed ever at one point. <laughs> that was nice. And they, and they don't like, he doesn't have a particular accent in those scenes, but then in the ending of the film, he has like a, 
southern twang. Yeah. I couldn't quite... <laughs> couldn't quite fathom out where that came from. Mm. It did sort of... I, I didn't really notice it until you pointed it out, but once you pointed it out, I really noticed it. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, my goodness. Well, is that just part of the whole, like, him saying, like, who am I anymore? I don't know who I am. Is he just losing all sense of himself and becoming... Maybe he's absorbed one of his, like, maybe one of his teammates have been yeah. absorbed into him. Because remember, oh, before we, okay, Oscar Isaac's quite good in this film, isn't he? He's, he's all right. Yeah. Should I get over it? I just love yeah. it. I just think it's very <laughs> sexy. But we'll get over it now. And we'll just talk about, before we get into the finale, we'll just talk about the bear. Yeah. Um scene is creepy as hell. Oh, God. Like, as we was just saying about the the design of all the plants and the animals being really amazing. This is concept of, um, so one of the, the characters, Cass, is the first one to be killed, and she's killed by this bear. And then later on, um, we hear Cass calling out, and um, one of the characters runs through, like, go see her, like, oh, she's alive. But actually, this bear, when it killed her, it absorbed some part of her when she was dying, and it it can now make the noise that she made when she was dying so it it calls out in this really creepy um eerie kind of echoey voice of um Cass when she was dying well it's a dying scream isn't it mm. it's like it's horrendous and it and it just makes the hair on the back of your neck go up immediately but then with the visuals of the bear as well which is a bear with pretty much all of its skin and muscle um dissipated just to leave sort of a skull Mm. Like it's almost like walking death, isn't it? And then screaming death as well. Yeah, also something kind of prehistoric about it as well. Like it's something you'd see from, I don't know, a museum about dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, it, it. Yeah. Again, it's regression, isn't it? It's like taking a step back in evolution. It's almost like the swapping of DNA between human and or animal and plant and alien and humans and animals it's just this sort of it's almost like the the creature or the virus or whatever it is is reaching out and trying to understand animal life but getting it wrong yeah and but that scene i mean i was trying to text you during it but my hands were shaking <laughs> it was absolutely horrendous just to sort of build on what you were just saying, I mentioned it over text, but it reminds me a lot of the um, of Stephen King's Dreamcatcher. I haven't mm. seen the film, but um, I read the book, and it's a similar kind of concept where there's a fungus or like a virus or, um, that infects plant matter and humans, and when it's in a person, it tries to mimic what people normally do, but it doesn't get it quite right, so there's something kind of off. Uh-huh. Um, okay. It's I read that similar. a very, very long time ago. I can't quite remember the plot, and the film is a travesty. So, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, there's, there are definitely some Stephen King ideas in here. And also, like, just... Um, we saw... I mean, if you listen to the Films I Love Most podcast, you'll know that me and Hannah went and saw Colour Out of Space. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to compare these two films at all. <laughs> But I did say over text at one point that Colour Out of Space wishes it could be Annihilation. <laughs> it wishes it, could, so wish it could have looked like this. Something coming from space and changing its environment. You know, there's that similarity. So this 
you could say, I mean, um, Color Out of Space was a concept from the H.P. Lovecraft short story, Color Out of Space. Mm. You can almost say there's something a Lovecraftian about Annihilation, but it's Lovecraft in daylight. It's, love, it's Lovecraft during the day. <laughs> I would say if there's any link with Annihilation, you know, it's Lovecraft, Lovecraft with the lights turned on. But, yeah, and it's also similar in the sense that a lot of Lovecraft is kind of never really explained. It's just a strange happening that yeah, well, Lovecraft we can't understand. The idea of creatures from the dawn of like millions and billions mm. of before man, you know, like Cthulhu, all this, the myths of that these things exist way before we did. He loves that idea. It doesn't that doesn't really tie into annihilation, but the fact that I think Colour Out of Space, that story definitely ties in a little bit with the whole thing of something coming from space and changing the immediate environment. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, um let's go let's move swiftly on to the to the end, to the climax. Okay, firstly, can I just say mm-hmm. um, the thing that made the climax that the ending for me was the sound design and music. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it oh, went well, really well with the visuals. I'm going to put a sample of the music after this um, discussion so that people can hear and try and get a feel for um, what we're going to be talking about. And if they haven't seen the film, get a feel for that as well. Although we've probably pretty much spoiled the whole thing now anyway. You won't need to watch the film. <laughs> but um, I don't care. Um, so it's a very high concept ending. It is, and just to kind of briefly run down what happened, for my own sake as well as anyone who's listening. Um, So partly what I was going to lead on to say earlier about um, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is that when Lena gets to the lighthouse, she discovers that her husband actually did die in the shimmer, but that he came back in some form, and that was the form that came to see her later on. And in the lighthouse, there is kind of a hole in the wall that leads down into a pit. She goes down there, much to our horror, and the kind of design of that set is very alien, like you said. It's like black and shiny and like there's tentacles almost that are moving around. Oh, I definitely got, you know, um, Ridley Scott's mm. alien feel, or even aliens, you know, just that the organic like the organicness of the, the of the set and also it's almost like organic but made if you know what I mean I, I don't know what you'd call that so <laughs> organically constructed if I yeah that. it's a lot like in the original Alien when they first go down and they find um, the eggs that they later take on board the ship it's that kind of what that room looks like is very similar to the the cave that Lena finds. Yeah. But anyway, in the the cave is uh, Ventress. But it's like, is it her? Because I I kind of think that it's not her. It's a it's a kind of a representation of her that this alien or this thing has made. Um, because she kind of, after talking for a while, dissolves and becomes like a light show, and yeah, then she sort of dissipates into the air. Mm. yeah i mean i i saw them as maybe like petals you know maybe 
you know, the the pollen that creates the plant life inside mm. the shimmer. And then um and then she forms this orb that is very I love the design of the this this thing, this sphere. It's kind of like a little planet with things growing out of it and it was moving and swirling and um it was kind of hypnotic and Lena was drawn into it, looking into the centre of it and seeing inside. That's and when it, sound design kicks in also. Yes. Yes. Like ten times more hypnotic. Yeah, definitely. And then it, it like it draws a speck of blood from her into its centre and it starts to multiply and eventually becomes this kind of this incredible human form that is like metallic and reflective and oh it's so odd and it's so unsettling I found that creature to be so yeah it was really making my skin crawl it was giving me that uncanny feeling because early on well very very early on near the beginning of the film we learn what Lena's job is she studies um the the is it the evolution of cells the multiplication of cells like especially like in cancers Yes, I think basically. I didn't totally take on all the science, but yeah, yeah I, I think I something like that. She studies like how cells multiply. And hmm. um at the beginning she's in a class and she's teaching students about a cancer cell that multiplies. Um but then when we're looking at this orb and the blood goes into it and it starts to multiply, it's almost exactly the same as seeing the cancer cells multiply at the beginning. Hmm. So did you think that there was maybe a link to that? Like this like disease like it's a cancer this yeah i mean there were a lot of similar links back to certain um earlier shots i think just like for the sake of symmetry even like i mean maybe it is saying that this thing is kind of like a cancer it doesn't have like a want or a need it just is like it the can you know cancer isn't trying to kill you it's not like it has a mind of its own mm. but in a similar way this thing is it's taking over it's changing things but it's not like intentionally destructive um when lena's being interviewed about it later they want to know what what did it want why did it do this but she's saying it didn't want it didn't it wasn't trying to do anything it just it just was it just was you know it wasn't intentionally destroying which is maybe the the link that's being made there yeah it wasn't destroying it was almost creating mirroring she says Mm. yeah so this New Lena is, well, this sort of human-shaped representation is spawned from the orb. Mm. And there's almost this choreographed movement moment within the film where the creature starts to mirror and mimic Lena's character, but as as a shaped mass you know you can't see at this point that it is uh lena's double what did you think of that whole scene because i did not take my eyes off it no me neither i was like gripped it was so so freaky it was so unnerving um this like faceless human figure it was like you say mirroring her but not quite like it wasn't exactly the same so it would when she would try and run it would stop her and when she would fight it, it would fight back and it would mirror and it would just kind of stand and watch. And, oh, it was like some kind of something laying in wait to play a trap. It was really unpleasant. It's almost like there's nothing you can do, is there? You can't, 
um, effect. You couldn't fight it, yeah. You can't fight it because it knows everything you're about to do. And there's a bit when she runs to the door and it's almost almost lays on top of her. But she's yeah. Like, it's I... only mimicking that movement of her on the door. And I thought, yeah. how is she going to get out of that? Because she can't change her physical pose to make the creature coffee. But, but I think what happened is she just like relaxed her body and then it relaxed its body. So it's, it's like yeah. she was fighting for, for ages to try and get away from it. But then as soon as she relaxed, it relaxed and she could then break free. So when they landed, um, so they, they broke, she broke free and they both fell to the ground. And then the creature starts to change again to what I can only describe as oil on water. Mm. Now, that's quite an interesting simile there because obviously oil and water, you know, that oil just sort of skims across the surface. But, you know, mm. it's almost the same. It's like one on top of the other. That's how I felt that this creature was with her. Do you know what I mean? The oil and the water move the same, but they're separated. They're two completely different substances, which is what I felt was happening with Lena and the creature at this point. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, you carry on. So um, they separate, and then again they start to move. But then and, then, and then Lena gets into her mind an idea, and she just walks casually over to where there's some rubble on the floor, and she picks up a, a grenade, and she gets close to the... The figure and she holds her hand out to the figure, and they hold hands around the grenade. And she, and as soon as she touches its hand, it kind of its skin becomes human-like, and it gradually turn, becomes more and more like her. Like the face molds, and in a really horrible way, like it's a faceless, like a faceless sort of um, mannequin sort of face, and then it grows features gradually in a kind of horrible. <laughs> Yeah. Um, way and then no. and then um, Lena takes out the pin of the grenade and just in time runs away before it explodes and the the figure is now looks totally like her. Then it now looks exactly like her. Yeah. And it just sort of these stands and watches. Say these, these grenades are like what they call phosphor grenades, screen. So they don't explode. They cause a flash and uh, cause fire. So it's not a explosive. Ah, uh, okay. It's a it's like a flash bomb that creates um, intense light and then fire. Okay. So that's yeah. So then the creature sets on fire and then sets about destroying itself, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I I, I still don't really took another meaning because it it destroys the whole lighthouse and everything growing on it and then because of that the other things growing around also set on light and die so the trees and and everything that's these sort of um glass-like trees that were set on fire and they shattered i almost felt like as soon as it became leaner it became very self-destructive because you know it could have easily have followed her outside of the lighthouse Mm. or you know, not have gone and, you know, touched certain things within the lighthouse to burn it down. It was almost like when it became her, it it had its clear goal of destroying itself. Yeah. That, made, that as soon as it absorbed and became Lena, did it actually become her 
like fully consciously that it not only absorbed what she looked like but her thought process and her thought processes and her personality and obviously at that point the only thing that she really wanted to do was destroy this you know creature virus or whatever that had a you know caused her husband to kill himself killed all of her like colleagues that were in the shimmer with her and was freaking her the hell out because it became her (laughs) so i mean yes that but also um after lena gets back is it is in the facility um and is being interviewed and is then taken to her husband who is not actually her husband um in the very last moment of the film they she asks him you're not Kane, are you and he says i don't think so and he says um are you lena and she doesn't say anything they no. just hug but they the, the implication is that they're the neither of them are who they are so like neither uh, of them are any longer themselves yes yeah, so it's almost like she's you know we don't really know what happened to her after she was outside the lighthouse to the point mm. she ended up walking back and got picked up by the soldiers you know something else could have happened in that part at that point um we don't know she could have been swapped over by her doppelganger yeah um but if you, you, what i focused on is in that last scene is when they hugged and you saw a, a, a um, you saw him and then you from his perspective and then her he had like this glow in his eyes yeah, I was going to say. In his eyes, and then she also had it as well. Yeah, it's kind of like pink sheen shimmer in the in the eyes, just around the colour of the eyes. I think we should do a follow-up podcast to this when we've read the books. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, we'd love to know more, know more about what it's about. <laughs> and then we'll read the books and go, actually, it's quite simple. They made it quite simple, <laughs> the film. <laughs> well, actually, um, since, like, just in the space between finishing the film and you calling me, I did look at the trivia on the IMDb page, and it does say that the director, um, Alex, Alex, yeah, he he um he read the book, but then um, when making the film, he didn't reread. He just kind of um, tried to make it more like just taking from his memory rather than doing it exact to the to the the book, so it'd be more sort of dreamlike based on his remembrances of reading it. That's interesting. So maybe yes. it's not totally accurate to the novel, but um, it's still maybe illuminating to watch to read it. Well, Alice Garland is one of my favourite screenwriters, and also slowly becoming one of my favourite directors after watching this. Mm. Uh, he's done um, Ex Machina, obviously we've spoken about uh, Dread. He wrote the screenplay for Dread, which um, the Judge Dread film, which I absolutely oh, okay. adore. Mm-hmm. And he also wrote Twenty Eight Days Later. Mm-hmm. And he wrote the novel The Beach, which the film with Leonardo DiCaprio is based on. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's a very, very accomplished um, novelist, screenwriter, and director now. So it's really interesting um, to see what he does next. And I'm definitely going to revisit um, some of it. He, I mean, he's obviously got a very close work, working relationship with Danny Boyle because he also wrote um, Sunshine, the other Danny Boyle film that came after yeah. 28 Days Later. So and there's obviously like a theme throughout this kind of, um, all the films seem to be like people put into really 
um, absurd, um, unnatural situations and how they're coping with it. I'm just like, thinking back to 28 Days Later and Ex Machina and how they're, and also the beach, how they're kind of um, these sort of sci-fi worlds where nothing's yeah, normal, but, nothing makes sense. Well, the beach is almost like um, Lord of the Flies of adults. Mm. You know, like these people thrown together onto an island that's secret and they have to survive no matter what and outsiders are not welcome. You know, in some ways you can relate that to annihilation, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, this place where, you know, it's secret. People go there. They have their own sort of rules that they have to abide by inside the shimmer and visitors are not welcome (laughs) (laughs) or are they you know it was the whole point of this um thing this virus this creature did it want people to come did it is it is it does it do it on other planets does it go and sort of take over and mimic a whole Mm. you know planet it's very invasion of the body snatches yeah right yeah you know, you could go down that route and say that this creature is exactly the same as the pod people <laughs> from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Anyway, this is this has been amazing. This has been like very in depth talk about this film. I hope you guys. I mean, I'm definitely going to put on the um, description of the podcast. Watch film first. <laughs> yes, heavily spoiled. <laughs> yeah, because we want to make sure that you you guys obviously enjoy it as much as possible. So, what is your conclusion? What would you? What's your conclusion, and what would you give it out of ten? Well, my conclusion is that I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I didn't know what to expect. I loved the. It was kind of a new take on sort of a similar uh, alien theme, if you like. So it had all female characters, and they were all um, broken, like you say, and they went in because they didn't necessarily have a life to live. So that's why they went inside the shimmer. And then this whole like. Um, intellectual pontification about what is the meaning of it all and what was this creature at the end yeah, really got me thinking and yeah I, I would rate it very highly um, are we rating it out of 10 or do we rate it out of 5 what's the we'll do it out of, um, we normally do <laughs> out of 10 don't we do we out of 10 there's so many like, there's, there's more than 5 areas that I always judge something by okay then I, I say I'd give it at least an 8 I, I really enjoyed it yeah that's good. I'm I'm going eight as well. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I think that it could have improved on was um, characterization of the other girls. There were some of them that I just didn't know enough about, but I think that would have made it a more impactful um, their their grotesque exits. Right, right, yeah. Of, of an impact. So I think there was a little bit of lack of characterization there sometimes, and I think that. Oscar Isaac's character needed a little bit more as well, I think. I wanted to know more about his background and why why was him and his platoon tasked with going into the Shimmer? What was so special mm. about them? Maybe it's in the book. You know, the first thing I'm going to do is when I get off this podcast, I'm going to start the book. <laughs> yeah, let yeah. me know. <laughs> I will, of course. I've got all three. Luckily, I found them all in a, in a charity shop as part of the uh, film found for a pound. So um, uh-huh. that was good. Although they were books, but that was fine. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you, Hannah. Well, thank you, Keith.
Um, we're going to do Film Club again, yeah? Yes, please. Absolutely. Maybe we can do one every week. That'd be good fun. Yeah, it would be nice. It's actually nice to... Although we're not, we're not watching in the same place, it's nice to watch a film together, sort of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we were texting throughout the whole thing, yeah. um, which was very comical. <laughs> Especially when I said that the shimmer reminded me of the uh, the rainbow. What was it? What, was it? what were they? Did you say the... Was it Morrison's? What were you saying? Morrison's yeah, rainbow. The, the ice lollies from Morrison's. Yeah. The colours in the ice lollies from Morrison's reminded me of the shimmer. It's making me quite peckish, actually. <laughs> but, well, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you. We'll see you next time on the Films of Love Most podcast. See you next time. See you. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast isolation station. Remember, if you've got any films that you'd like us to watch or any films that you'd like to review, you can contact us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much, guys. Remember, stay safe, self-isolate and remember your health is the most important thing. And join us here next time at the Films I Love Most podcast. (laughs) 